One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Kicked Back, a home for football fans that want to stay up to date on everything going on in the football world. Join Caroline, Liam, and some special guests along the way as they talk about all the trending news around leagues, players, teams, and much more. Now, all you got to do is get comfortable and kick back because we're about to get started. What's up, everyone? It's time for Kicked Back, and I don't even know what episode we're on anymore, but I just know we're here and we're about to have a good time. Liam, what's up? Not a lot. We're back. We're back. It's I know. It's been a week, but we're back. I think it's episode 15. I think so. I think we're around there. Double digits. <laughs> You've kept us around longer than we thought. So we'll take it at this point. We're celebrating. <laughs> and Liam, tell everyone where you were. I was in sunny old England. At uh, probably the busiest time in the country's history. But it was, uh, it was good. It was a good trip. I haven't been back since 2016, I think. So almost six years. What did you realize going back to England that you were like, wow, I miss this more than I knew? Um, Nothing. Do you, do, you know, <laughs> do you know what? Like, so when I lived there, I was only 14. So okay. I left England when I was 14 okay. years old. And I never had like the pub experience and stuff like that. Okay. But this time around. So when I went back last time, I went to the pub once and I was like, oh, this was really cool and different. And this time I went a few times and I think that's what I missed kind of the atmosphere. Like I watched the, um, Manchester city, Borussia Dortmund oh, game nice. in the pub. Nice. It was really That must good. have been nuts. Cause that game was nuts. Yeah, it was fun. There wasn't like a ton of people there, but the people that were there made it a really good atmosphere and it was all, it was funny. So I lived in Bolton and so it's kind of like mixed bag. Like you'll get some city friends, I'll get some yeah. people who aren't. And there was a lot of people cheering for Dortmund when they yeah. scored, like people stood up in the in the pub and celebrated the goal and then City obviously scored too. And it was, it was a good atmosphere, but I think that's the thing. And also remembering the foods that I liked, like, you know, like by no means is England's cuisine, like Italy or something like that. <laughs> like, well, like getting stuff like, um, bags of crisps. Like I always used to have these crisps called, uh, skips, okay. which are like, they're kind of weird. They're like a, a prawn. It's a, it doesn't sound very appealing at all, but you eat it and you're like, oh, this is, this is good stuff. So that's, that's kind of what I thought of England. And it wasn't, didn't rain a lot, which is, is different for the crisps are chips. Yes. Okay. Yes. And chips nice. are, and fries are chips. Oh yes. Yeah. Hence fish and chips. Fish and chips, which I nice. had twice in six days. <laughs> I don't blame you. Yeah. Right? I don't blame. That's like me. Whenever I go somewhere in the U S that has Shake Shack, oh, I eat yeah. like it as much as I can. You got it. You got to get, you, you got to get it in. You the only thing I, I miss that we didn't have a chance to eat. There was, it was funny. So we all, I went with my parents and my sister and we all had one thing we wanted to try. My dad is a real Northern Englishman and he really wanted a meat pie. 
but he only wanted a meat pie, a Holland's meat pie. And every time we went to the chippy, they didn't have one. And he just, and we went the whole time and he oh, couldn't get no. one. Uh, so he was disappointed at that. And I wanted a kebab, which is just a donair pretty much. Oh, okay. But uh, it's just a bit different there. Like they make it with like mayonnaise and stuff oh, nice. like that. So, but I didn't get a chance to have one. So it's okay. Next time. I think I'm going back next year. So I feel bad for your dad. Get him the meat. Is there anywhere we can get him a meat pie here in Edmonton? I, I don't know. Well, it's a Holland's meat pie. So if anybody knows, okay. let me know. You guys drop it in the comments. <laughs> All right. Uh, when you're in England, obviously you're probably hearing more football news around England than we are here. Yes. I mean, unless you're looking for it. So hit us with some things that you want to talk about. Um, well, obviously the big topic is the queen in yes. England. Unfortunately she passed and it was the coverage of it was nuts. Like, and obviously like it's the big occasion and not a good one, but there was pictures of her everywhere. And I think the big thing that came from it from a sports perspective was David Beckham. Yeah. Now, David Becker is my favorite athlete. I just think he's just a really great guy. There was that thing when he was at PSG that he negotiated his contract to get as much money as they could. And then at the end of it, he's like, okay, just send it all to charity. Uh, he's, so, I, yeah, I agree with you with the Beckhams. And it's just the stuff like that that kind of separates them. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a, it was great that he was a captain of England. And I thought he waited for 12 hours to visit the Queen. That's when, when what you yeah. told me what is so nice about him because sometimes, and this doesn't, I'm not, you know, judging or I'm not putting this stereotype on, on celebrities or high profile individuals, but sometimes we see them kind of get that hall pass where yeah. they can pass a line and just because of their name, but the fact that he waited 12 hours is so admirable. Yeah. It's, uh, it's just shows the kind of person he yeah. is, isn't it? And he, he was talking about the queen and I, I follow him on Instagram and he posts a lot about the queen since yes. it happened and just the respect of him to do that knowing like he's, he's probably the biggest person in England, to be honest, like one of, and there was a couple other celebrities, which I can't even think of what they were called, but they were like TV presenters yeah. who skipped the line completely and people were not happy, which definitely boosted David Beckham's stock quite a bit. But he was saying that, uh, so it was a few hours before yeah. they found him in the line and he was just like, yeah, like just kind of wanted to come pay my respects. And I've just been talking to everyone around here and we've had a great time. And he was talking about how his granddad was a big royalist. And he said, he said, because uh, they asked him, like, why didn't you skip the line? And he was like, oh, my my granddad wouldn't wouldn't have approved of me skipping Aww. the line for my status. So he's like, I'm, I'm here for myself, but I'm also here for, like, my family to, like, represent them and everything. So like, what a, what a fantastic human being. You know, you know what? I'm right there with you, Liam. I, I have my favorite players growing up, but Beckham always stands out for me because he was the first real guy that when I watched him, I'm like, Wow. Yeah. He was my first memory of kind of falling in love with the game. And then when people ask me till this day, who's one guy you'd like to interview and who's one athlete that would kind of make you get that starstruck quality. And I always say Beckham. Kaka was like a really cool experience. And I say Zlatan Ibrahimovic would be an interview that I would <laughs> die to have, but a guy who would leave me speechless and just honestly, I'd start crying is David Beckham. Yeah. And so I, I like to read a lot of books on sports personalities. So I've mentioned the Ferguson one and I have Roy Keane's books on the go right now. So I'm, I'm but one I'm really waiting for is Beckham just cause he's such an interesting yeah. man. He's done so much and I don't know. He just, just a good guy. And it was funny last night, me and my dad ordered some retro England jerseys from England, which we probably could have picked up while we were there. But <laughs> <Yeah>. whatever. <laughs> um, so I ordered the, I think it was 1990 England away jersey. So it's like a blue nice. checkered one. Yes. And I got a 2002 one. 
uh, which is white and it has it's a it's a flat collar like this and it has uh, just a red stripe right Pink through the badge and my dad yes. said that is the ugliest england shirt they've ever made and i said i know but my first england memory is watching yeah that's the one yep. and my first england memory is watching david beckham score his free kick against greece where yes. in like the 93rd minute or whatever it was and he just curls it right th right over the wall and it was just a, such an iconic moment. I was like, that's why I want that one. It's like, it might be the ugliest one on the shelf, but it actually means something to me. And that's, I want to have that. But you know what? And quickly, just like a quick segue. I really think that the England jersey is such a classic jersey that it's really hard to mess it up. Like maybe that might be the the least liked jersey, yeah. but I always feel like England's had such a clean, timeless, they, they never overdo it type thing where you look at the World Cup jerseys now in some of them, which we'll get later into the show. Some of them, I look at them and I'm like, why are these designs happening? And no disrespect to anyone, but how are they approved? Yeah, it's- um, <laughs> I don't get it. The England ones are- like you said, you can't, it's just white. It's just a white like shirt. It's just a white shirt with the three lions. And that's it. It's funny. I saw your story the other day of the Poland. Was it the yeah. Poland ones? It's like, I'm pretty sure they just take the same. They take the same ones. Po Poland's are very classic. But again, I would prefer a classic look. I want classic and timeless all the time versus what they're doing with some like USA's jerseys to me. Scary. Um, Belgium's. I don't know what <laughs> went wrong with Belgium's. There's just a few in there that I'm not uh, completely sold on because in my opinion, when it comes to jerseys, less is more. I want to be able to wear it with something at any time in my life and it matches everything. And there's just a couple of these kits that I am very, very confused about. And England's never been one of them. I always like England. Are you disappointed Canada didn't release a new jersey? I know you kind of mentioned it a little bit on your TikTok too, but I'm curious. Yeah, now. you know what? No, I I probably might be the only one who says that I'm not disappointed because I I really love the way Canada looks. Like it's just such a clean look, top to bottom. And I I don't personally like anything that's busy. Mm -hmm. I love Portugal's jersey, but I. In my taste, I, I don't think I would like it as much because there's just a lot going on, but I still really like them. I might also be alone in that opinion, but I'm not, I don't hate on the fact that Canada didn't change too much around. I also think maybe there's a little superstition around it. Maybe, yeah. you know, they qualified for their first world cup in 36 years and they feel like some good mojo, some good juju in those kits and they want to keep it going to Qatar. I don't hate it. I have two opinions on this one. I think it's good that they respected the fans in a way who this jersey only came out recently, yep. right? Within the last 18 months or so. So like now fans don't have to go buy a new one. Yes. So that's really nice. But I also think it's such a big occasion. Maybe they should have. Yeah. But I don't know. Like, I don't know the history of Canada's jerseys, to be honest. But it is what it is. It's just a football kit at the end of the day. But it's... it's just red, isn't it? So <laughs> what I would say is I'm obsessed with that black kit. I, I like wish, I wish that was their away kit, but then I love an all white kit too. I think that if they were to change anything, it wouldn't be the shirt. Keep it a solid red or a solid white or black, but maybe change the logo a little. Maybe it's time for a logo upgrade. Mm -hmm. um, but then again, I, I don't know if... I don't know if the timing of this one, maybe by 2026 when the World Cup's here in Canada, they can have like a, you know, a new and improved look. But I just feel like I have this feeling that they didn't do anything because of superstition and, and I'm totally fine with it. Yeah, that's a fair point too. They will actually get to wear the black one when they play Croatia. 
Yeah, they'll have are, to. Are they, they'll, yes, they'll have to, they'll right? Have to. Red and they're red and white, so they'll have to change into the black. But they'll probably. I don't know how the fixtures line up with them being home and away, but their group is all red. All four teams. Have I mean, a look home at Croatia's jerseys, Liam. Look at Croatia's jerseys. I like the away one. Is that the blue one? Yes. I can't see. Yeah, the blue yeah. one there is, I mean, isn't bad, but this one it just seems seems a bit much. It just seems I don't know. They've always been that checkered team, <laughs> yeah, and that's fine. Misplaced. Th- that is what it is. But it just like there's this random like little zigzag here. You know what? If odd. exactly with the away jersey, if they just made that in the home colors, yeah. that would have been sick. Yeah. That actually would have been because typically Croatia has a busy jersey. If they just would have made it almost that ombre effect, like in the away one, I think it would have looked cool. Yeah, I li- I like the way it fades. I think sometimes they just overcomplicate it. Did you see the Ghana one? Let me see if I can I think find I did see the Ghana one. Look at that. Yeah, thing. no, it's not what good. What's going on? Like this is fine. That's fine. This the, is fine. The home the home guys, the sorry, we're looking at jerseys. Yeah. The home <laughs> <laughs> The home jersey's great. Um Oh. Yeah. South you know, Korea. Go look at that one. I haven't seen a lot. I haven't of these, seen. To be honest, no, that's but. the first time I've seen South Korea. Yeah, so yeah. you know, England What's going on? the the line <laughs> down the England jersey might have not been the most ideal in in the history of England kits, but I honestly don't think it's that bad no. compared to some of the things we're seeing in yeah. 2022. <laughs> I'm with you. And we'll see what they look like on the pitch. Like uh, there was one, do you remember the Nigeria one? There was 2000 and what was the last World Cup? 2000 what year are we in? 22. Was it 18, so 2018, 20? I think, or 2014, one of those last two. And they had this green and white. And people will say it's like the best World Cup jersey ever. That this one. This one. Oh, yeah. It's got some, it's got some character. There's a lot going on, but pretty cool. I it like, is pretty it, cool. It's busy, but it's not bad on the eye. You know what? If I'm going to wear, like, okay, that's like how I feel about Mexico's jerseys. It, that's probably the busiest jersey, but it has swag. Yeah. It looks like a, a piece that has really nice swag to it and it's busy and it's been well thought out and, and it makes sense. Some just don't. <laughs> this Nigeria one does. So I think that this one's cool. I forgot about this one, but yeah. Okay. There England squad. <laughs> What's going on with the England squad? Too much. Yeah. Too much is going on with England's team right now. And it, it's England are a funny team because we've mentioned it on the show with, I think it was episode one, just like how this team just doesn't have success at tournaments, success at tournaments. And now they're having a success at tournaments, like going to world cup semifinal and losing to Croatia, which they should have won and going to the Euro final and losing to Italy, which they probably should have won mm-hmm. too. And I think that's the issue. A lot of people are having now is it's great that we're getting to this point, but it's disappointing to see them consistently lose the teams they should beat. Yep. And now they have a squad where, Players are getting named to the team who aren't even playing for their club team. Like Harry Maguire is one guy. Luke Shaw is another one. Ben Chilwell. And now today, Jordan Henderson was put in for Calvin Phillips. And Calvin Phillips is the guy who isn't playing. And it's just interesting right now because England have a ton of players to pick from. And it just feels like a lot of these guys aren't getting picked for the right reasons. But whilst and like they're getting picked off based mm-hmm. on past reputation. But as I say that, like, I'm one person who actually thinks Harry Maguire should be in this team, which is, seems controversial because he doesn't play and like he's not very good for United, but he's probably England's best defender for England. Yeah, explain that because everyone dislikes him, unfortunately, for Harry Maguire. I, I would even say across football right now, but a lot of people say he's a different player when he's playing for the English national team. He just performs. Like, I don't... <laughs> 
it must be the environment friend. I would say that's what we've been saying about United for a long time. Yeah. And to me, I like Southgate because he believes in his players. And I like the fact that he's not afraid to stick to his guns. That's fine. Yep. But also at a certain point, you've got to turn around and be like, Hey, we're not going to do this anymore. But with Harry Maguire, like he sees what he does for England and it's, there's just, who else are you taking? Like there's other guys like James Tarkovsky is a name that's kind of been thrown out there for Everton, but it's like, is he woke up quality? And it just, it's, it's weird for right now. Cause England have a lot of attacking names, like someone like Jaden Sancho, we all talk about in a second, didn't make it, but on defensive end of things like Harry Maguire, I do think needs to be at the world cup. Mm-hmm. He will play for United cause there's so many games yeah. leading up to it and injuries will happen, but I think he needs to be there. But on the Jaden Sancho front, I'm a, I'm a little mixed because on one hand, Sancho on his day is one of the best players in the world. One of the best English players. Like I, I mentioned a few weeks ago too, how Rashford and him both need to be informed for England yep. to go to the world cup and Rashford's injured right now. So he didn't get picked in the team, but it's weird to see someone like Jared Bowen get in the team over Sancho, especially this was a 28 man squad and you have a chance to bring in Sancho and kind of let him showcase like the last few games actually been in pretty good form leading up to it. So that's an interesting thing for England. Like this is the last squad before the World Cup. So does this mean like, San- what does Sancho now have to do to get into the team? I, I wonder what Sancho like, do, is, what's like the, I'm sure that you're reading everything about the English national team. Is he a little bit of a virus? Does he have an ego? Does he have a big personality where the coach right now at this point is like, you need to work on your consistency and you need to prove to me that you want to be on the squad? Uh, it's interesting because I always kind of put Grealish and Sancho in a bit of the same category for England where uh, the Euros, I think they both should have played a lot more mm-hmm. because when they were coming off the bench, they were being very impactful and like Mason Mount was playing a little bit more than he probably should have been. And it, you look at Southgate and you're like, what do these two have to do? And now we're at a point where Grealish is playing a little bit more, but Sancho isn't in the team and Mount's still going, but we, Mount's been fine. But I don't think it's an ego thing for Sancho. I do. I think it's based off confidence, to be honest. And I, I think it's a two ways thing where maybe Southgate doesn't have the confidence in Sancho to perform. And also Sancho maybe doesn't have the confidence himself to perform at the maybe. levels he have. I hope he turns it around because we kind of need him to go to the World Cup and play his best. Like he's going to be a reason why England could win the World Cup. But for right now, I don't disagree fully with the decision not to leave him out. I disagree with the decision to leave him out behind players that have made the team. So that'd be the thing now. And I guess one other thing with England is Jordan Pickford isn't in the team because he's injured. (laughs) So that's kind of like not the greatest, but also... England have four good goalies right now. Pickford is a lock. Then you have Aaron Ramsdale, Nick Pope, and Dean Henderson. So those three, the last three I named are now in the team. So this kind of gives those three a chance to to ballet out to see who the two and three are going to be for the World Cup. It's not a massive deal because I think Pickford will just play every game anyway unless something happens. Right. But I think if I was if I was Gareth Southgate, I'd probably go with Nick Pope and Ramsdale to go with Pickford. I mean, I'm back quickly back to Sancho. If it's a confidence thing, I feel kind of bad for him because being left off of a squad right now um, isn't going to help yeah. his confidence, right? And I do think that if England doesn't take Sancho, even just a guy coming off the bench, or maybe he improves each game at a potential World Cup in Qatar, he he's a guy you'd want there, I would assume, right? So I yeah. wonder, I wonder what's going on there. That 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 now has like a little light bulb go off in my mind to just kind of keep tabs on that situation because he's a player that you would think would would be in the mix for sure. 
I think another thing people were very frustrated about with, so I, I just pulled up, but uh, Jared Bowen here, who made the England squad towards the end of last season, he's played seven games and doesn't have a goal or an assist yet this mm-hmm. season. Sancho, it has two goals, no assist yet. But one, it just seems odd to pick Bowen, but also um, with okay. Sancho, it'd be weird for him too to see the form he's kind of growing into now and then to have his teammate Luke Shaw make the team and who isn't playing for Manchester United Malassia has taken his spot and also four right backs were picked for this England team Kem- uh, not Kyle Walker I must have Kemba Walker there. <laughs> Kyle Walker Kieran Trippier Trent Alexander-Arnold and Reese James now all those four can kind of the the reason England take four is because those four players are very diverse and they have right. a unique skill set. Like Kyle Walker plays centre back for England. Reese James can do the same, and Trent's just kind of you know a backup right back in a way. And then Kieran Trippier is just a good going forward, good at set pieces. So I understand it, but I also think eventually Southgate has to look at his team and be like ah, I probably shouldn't take four right backs to the World Cup over someone like Jaden Sancho. Yeah, I mean. So. Uh- is this the team that's going to be playing on the 23rd? Yeah, so they play Italy, Italy. and Germany. And then do they have another game there? Yeah. And in, well, oh, no, that's the World Cup. That's the World Cup. <laughs> so, that's yeah, the this, Cup. These are the, this is the last two games before the World Cup. So, literally, in a few days, we're going to have a chance to see what this what potential squad looks like. Yeah. We'll have a lot to talk about next week. Uh, yeah, and the last game wasn't against Hungary where they lost like four, yeah, yeah four nil. Uh, that was at Molyneux in Wolverhampton. So, this England team hasn't been in form. And they got to figure it out. And Harry Maguire should be in the team. Sancho should be in the team. And Jared Bowen shouldn't be in the team. And neither should Jordan Henderson. And sorry, one last thing. (laughs) The Calvin Phillips injury for England is going to be massive. Like there's a good chance he doesn't go to the World Cup because he has a lingering shoulder injury. So he has to get surgery. And you can make the argument he was England's best player at the Euros. So to lose him is... uh, Big L. Going to be a tough one. It's going to be hard to replace. And if Southgate's idea to replace Calvin Phillips is Jordan Henderson, then uh, England might be in trouble in the midfield. I'm so excited to start watching international football. Yeah. We're so lucky. There's uh, there's league games. There's Champions League. There's international matches coming up. Then the World Cup's right around the corner. Oh, my goodness. I Do you know why I'm excited about this international break is seeing Canada play yes. against other teams. Uruguay's who, next, right? Uruguay and Qatar are the next two games. I believe... It might be Tuesday, I think. I think. Next, yeah, next week, next yep. week they play in Vienna, I think it is. But I'm excited to see what they can do. I don't even care if they win or lose. Like, Qatar will be, I think Qatar will be the test that's like, okay, this is kind of a winnable game where Uruguay is almost a measuring stick yeah. to see if they yep. can compete with the top teams. I think they'll play well in both. I do too. I'm excited to see, you know, them together again. I love I watching this Canada team play. I can't wait. Uh, Quickly, you have uh, some news about a new Bol- potential Bolton owner, right? Bournemouth owner. Bournemouth, sorry. Yes. I thought it was Bolton. <laughs> no, no, we, we've already been bought, thankfully. <laughs> um, so the Vegas Golden Knights owner... Which is crazy. ...is going to buy, or is rumored to buy, Bournemouth. Now, we obviously know quite a bit about Vegas, being in Edmonton and the Oilers and all that stuff. And I think the reputation Vegas have is a very aggressive team off like to like bring in players and stuff like that. So be quite the change for Bournemouth. You literally just sacked Scott Parker for asking for money. You know, it, <laughs> like it's, it's a different dynamic. It's um, it's crazy to me because obviously, and we're going to get it. We're going to mix this whole conversation together with all of the controversy that's now kind of risen to the surface about the new Chelsea owner, Todd Bowley, wanting this U.S. style all-star, all-star game. Yeah. You're starting to see these big 
American players come into the English side of football. And there is some resistance to it, but the reality is, is it's happening. And at what point do people start understanding that with this comes change and sometimes it needs to be embraced? Yeah. And I think it should be embraced. I think there's ideas that North American sports have, which are really good and positive and the way they promote the players in certain leagues like the NBA and the NFL is something worldwide all sports leagues should want because that's how you make money there's other things like where teams don't get relegated and stuff like that which i don't think will ever be brought into european sports but the all-star game thing we may as well jump right into it like i'm (laughs) tell me how you feel because you're an englishman (laughs) i love the idea i love all-star games okay me too I, i love them i love that players get more accolades i love that players are recognized i love that it grows the legacy of each player However, I don't think it works in the English Premier League like it would in the NHL, MLB, NHL, what's the other one? NFL, all that kind of stuff. But it's different too because you don't, in the the Premier League, you don't have a Western Conference and Eastern Conference and stuff like that. Like the Chelsea owner suggested a North versus South and it's like, well where's the line? Like, what about the teams in the Midlands, you know, and yeah. stuff like that? Like, I just, I just don't think it would work. And I think the schedule is already so condensed and there's so many games that these teams have to play. You, it's nothing you could do in season. That is exact. Okay. So I completely see both sides and just quickly, I think, you know, I was reading about it in Todd's rationale. I'm just going to call him Todd. Like we're best yeah. friends. <laughs> MLB did their all-star game this year. And he said that they made $200 million from a Monday and a Tuesday. So he says doing a North versus South in the premier league could fund the pyramid very easily. And I think it could be well over 200 million million dollars if it's the premier league for the first time ever i was reading the comments on this tweet when it came out and so many english fans are just so protective of the tradition and the culture and the long-standing rivalries that Mm. they have within the premier league and that part i understand and that part i respect because if you um hate a team which is very you know that that happens in football and all of a sudden there's a player you don't like on your rival team and now you see that player playing with one of the guys that you support on your team, you're like, what the hell is going on? Like, it's just such a different dynamic in the Premier League than it is in Major League Soccer that I think it'd be hard for fans to digest. But I do think that times are changing. And if you don't get with the times and embrace the change and maybe try and see like some type of positive in it, like, wow, this would be a cool thing to take my kid to. This would be a cool Jersey to get. This would be a cool opportunity to see what it would be like to see this player play with this player. Um, I also say that knowing that footballer schedule is probably one of the craziest schedules in, in sports. And I think about the players and I wonder if that would be enticing at all for them or if they would just be like this is annoying because you know in hockey when the when the all-star break comes a lot of these athletes who aren't a part of that all-star break just dip and go to vacation which i don't blame them yeah a lot of people just take the fine yeah like and i think i get it too i do too somebody was put out a video on the 90th minute page just talking about this and just what asking for thoughts and i put what i just said in a comment just say, I just don't know when they would find time to yeah. do it. And somebody commented, do it in January. I said, okay, well, I think you run into a couple of obstacles if you do it in January. One is the transfer window. So yeah. what if a player gets transferred to 
the middle of nowhere. I don't True. know, Italy or something like that, for yep. example. Two, the reason January's schedule is so much lighter is because one, the FA Cup starts. And two, is because December's schedule is so heavy that yep. they have to relieve them a little bit. It just, it, there's the only other thing I saw as a comment where I can't remember who said it, but which could maybe work would be do it the same weekend as the community shield, which is the league versus the cup winners. And you do it on that weekend at Wembley in London and maybe that's a weekend you could do it, but, but then it's four. It's, it, it feels yeah. like it's being forced in when stuff is forced and shoved down people's throats, they immediately resist. Cause they're like, if it doesn't make sense, don't fix it. If it isn't broken. That, that's the thing. I don't think England needs this. Yeah. I don't, I don't think, I don't think it's a missing ingredient. And I understand it from a financial perspective and stuff, but like, from a, a player's perspective, which is really what should matter the most, yep. is it just, there's not room for it. And we're just going to force players to not even want to come to the Premier League anymore if this continues to happen. And there's other things that have been Americanized, if you want to word it, is that like the Premier League now is a Hall of Fame, which I think was very necessary. My dad has the argument that there should be an, uh, a British football Hall of Fame rather than a Premier League, because the Premier League is only 30 years, right? Well, British True. football is 100 years. True. There's a lot of players who deserve to be in that and which is fair like in like you said like it's a very traditional country and i just i don't know I, i'm on the fence of it i love the idea i love saying like oh erling Haaland has been on all star for nine years in a row and stuff like that but at the end of the day i don't think the players care I don't, I just don't think they really care honestly and i think this is i'm on the exact same position as you liam i'm like if it happened, would I watch and would I be excited? Yes. But if it doesn't happen, would I cry about it and care? No. no. So I'm just so neutral to it. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I think about the players. A lot of these guys in sports across the, just the platform of sports don't care about all-star break or these all-star mm. games. So what's one more thing to add for them when they could probably spend a day with their family or doing rest and recovery? Um, just where they know it's because it's a big dollar sign, it's probably a little frustrating for them. But then you have yeah. like Lukaku and Ferdinand who are all for it. They're, oh, they they're, were. they're I didn't supporting see that, it. Real Ferdinand. Su yeah, Rio really? Ferdinand. Yeah, I hope I got that right. Hold on. Yeah. I, I, uh, do, I, do you know what? I was making teams in my head because I kept seeing all these teams that were like, oh, the North team would just be all United, City, and Liverpool, and South would just be like Arsenal, Chelsea. And it's like, you would have to kind of figure that out, I think, to make sure everyone's yeah. involved. Yeah, Ferdinand supported it, which to me was interesting because mm. I'm like, maybe there are some players from the past who are like, oh, I wish I had something like that when I yeah. was a footballer. I, maybe yeah. we're wrong. Maybe we're speculating, but I just, yeah, I don't know. Again, it'd be cool, but I'm not crying about it if it doesn't happen. Yeah, that's, that's my stance yeah. too. All right, we're on the same page. Wow. Uh, I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Happens. Let's talk about the shit show that is Juventus. Uh, Welcome yes. to the chat, Serie A fans. <laughs> I really didn't think it could get worse for Juventus than last season, having a trophyless season for the first time in a freaking decade. But here we are, Juventus sitting in eighth place in Serie A, giving Monza their first Serie A win ever. Yeah. Like, let's just take a second to digest that. Monza has never had a Serie A win until they played Juventus. Liam, what the hell? It just, Juventus, just Allegri ball. You know? <laughs> know, like it's just, they're just not what they were, which is, you know, just a reality of it. They don't have the talent they used to have, but they shouldn't be doing this. Honestly. Like it just, it's, to bring Allegri back, like I don't know a ton about him. Like a lot of people were not happy that he was returning. He's like, oh, well maybe like this is a kind of a different, Turning like they got Di Maria this summer and Pogba's back, mm-hmm. but he's been injured. And but to lose to Monza, like I'll I'll be honest, like I know Monza from Formula One. That's <laughs> the racetrack. <laughs> I never ever thought they would make it to Syria, and now here they are. And like credit to them, yes, you know, like major. what a win. I'm just looking at the stats now too. And they had two shots on target. Juve had two shots on yeah. target against. Monza. Monza had 17 shots in total, had an expected goals of 2.47 and 60% of possession. Juventus had 40% of possession, less than a, a less than one expected goal and only 10 shots in there, only two on target. Oh my God, this, you know what? I'm so sorry I'm laughing, but as an AC Milan fan, this makes my heart smile. Uh, for everyone saying it was because of the Di Maria red card, Granted, yes, he shouldn't have done that. I hold Di Maria to such a high standard mm. that it was unacceptable. He needs to be better with his level of frustration. But there are bigger problems in Juventus than Di Maria right now. Yeah. Uh, and the eighth place in Serie A shows that. I think Juve has right now hit an all-time low. And I'm wondering if we've given them way too much credit prior to watching Champions League that we thought that they would do so well. Yeah. Do you know the Champions League group is very interesting because... They have PSG, Benfica, and Maccabi Haifa, and 
when we did our preview show, I was really on the like PSG. I we have, I yep. said they were going to win the the whole thing, and now when we said it, I said Juventus would advance the group. And when I said it, I was very on the fence because oh, I kind of have a I had a weird feeling about them, and now they're just kind of showing the true colors. I guess you could say okay, and you- it's, it is what it is, right? Like it's. But to be eighth in, and, and we've said this the whole time we've done this show, like Serie A is turning a page. Yeah. Like this, this league, like even now Udinese is like, a, they're in third place. They've lost one game a season. Napoli. Napoli's first. Let's yeah. go Napoli. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to see Napoli freaking take everybody, but. It's a, it's a funny top four, isn't it? Napoli, Atalanta, Udinese, and Lazio. I know. Who, who would have thought? Who would have thought? Because then the next four is like Milan, Rome, Italy, uh, Inter, and Juventus. And it was like, oh, that would have been the top four. Uh, also, but you know, don't feel bad because there, there are always picks that you just think that they might do well and then things end up going a different direction. And you see that right now with Bayern Munich, which makes no sense because in Champions League, they have two very big wins yeah. against Inter and Barcelona. Whether or not you agree that they played like crap against Barcelona, uh, at the end of the day, they managed to score two goals and protect their net. And that's a big result um, yep. against a top team like Barcelona, who I thought played really well. But Bayern Munich, getting the job done basically in, in Champions League, they're at the top of Group C. But then I don't know what's happening back in Germany. Yeah, and like... Union Berlin, I, I watched a bit of that game and they're top of the league. Yeah, they right? are. So they drew that one and then Bruce and Mujin Gladbach, but their last win was a 7 nothing win against Bochum. And then just to go on f- a four game winless streak, it just, I know. It's so unbuying. I you know. know. And it's just, it's strange. And like, I don't even have any like hard hitting at like, me neither. Analysis on this, but it's like, let's just, I tweet about this as like, so Bayern Munich haven't won in four straight games. As like, is this the end of the Farmers League talk? I hope so. And I, I hope and, so. And no disrespect to the Prem, but when's that conversation going to start happening in the Prem with everything that City's doing? So I just want to eliminate the Farmers League conversation as a whole across every freaking you know league because it doesn't make sense. Bayern Munich is struggling hard right now in in Germany. That says nothing about them as a team because they're figuring it out in Champions League. Mm. But there's something that my dad said at the beginning of the season. You know, a month and a half ago, maybe two months ago. Now he goes, "This is gonna this season's gonna look very different across all leagues because it's a World Cup year, yeah. and players with, in, who are playing in Champions League, who are playing for their respective leagues, and who are going to the World Cup aren't going to be killing themselves as much because they're gonna want to make sure that they're in top." form for when it matters most, which will obviously be Qatar. And I'm like, yeah, sure, dad. I don't know. Like every athlete's going to want to show up for every single game, but I'm starting to think he's very right. So maybe for Bayern Munich, I'm not saying that they don't want to go out and win these Bundesliga games. I'm sure they do. Everyone has a level of competition, but at the end of the day, I think what matters most of course is their legacy in, in, in everything that they do. But they're playing a lot of games. They just came yeah. off of a tough game against Barcelona. They're getting results kind of where it matters. And these guys want to be in top sh- form come come November. Yeah. And like you said, I think it's funny you say that because now we're looking at leagues and yeah, like Bayern Munich's fallen off, like Juventus, like we said, and even Liverpool, Yeah, you know, and it's funny that I never even thought about that in a way. Like, obviously we all knew the World Cup was going to have some impact on the season, but I didn't expect it so early yeah. in the season. But here we are. Now, Bayern Munich have uh, Bayer Leverkusen next, then Borussia Dortmund, and then Freiburg in the Bundesliga. And then Freiburg and Dortmund, the second and third in the league right now. Uh, Leverkusen hasn't been as good as they should be. But, like, I'm curious where they are in a couple of weeks. Like, I, I all three of those games I named, apart from, sorry, Dortmund's away and then Leverkusen and Freiburg are at home, so I'm expecting them to win. But... 
I don't know. Like, we'll see in a couple of weeks where Bayern's actually at. And if they lose two of those games, then Bundesliga, like, game on. I know. Yeah, I'm excited. I, I like watching Bundesliga and I like watching Serie A. I Premier League the most, yeah, yeah. but I don't really watch a lot of La Liga. I feel like that league is kind of becoming a farmer's league. <laughs> <laughs> but... Yeah, I don't watch. You know, it's funny. I like those. Growing up, I'd always watch Serie A, the Prem, and La Liga, but I think La Liga's kind of trailed off the most for me. Yeah. And I will admit that my favorite highlights to watch these days are League uh, because there's so much drama and sh- crazy stuff happening. We can get into it. The red card, uh, <laughs> Tadebo getting sent off after nine freaking seconds. I mean, that's a League uh, history breaker right there. Uh, has to be a, a world break, breaking some be. type of world record for the fastest red card. Yeah. But that's the stuff you get watching the French league. And I, I feel like I want to commit more to that league because that's wild to me. Did, what did you think of it? Did you, uh, do you think it was a red card? No, I, I, no, <laughs> no, I think, I think, okay, don't get me wrong. I think that his timing and positioning was way off, but he wasn't the last man back. And that was not a red card. That's a yellow card. Personally, nine seconds into the game, are half the players on the pitch even awake at that point? I, I don't know. I think the ref, the only explanation that I have is that the ref woke up in the morning and was like, I'm going to make league uh, history today. Yeah. And I'm going <laughs> to give someone the fastest red card in our league history because it didn't make sense. Yellow card, yes. Mm-hmm. Give him a big warning. Red card, we've seen worse. Yeah. Well, I gave him a massive warning. <laughs> I know. Poor but, guy. He's a young guy too. He's like 22 years yeah. old. You could tell it was like, I think it was an early morning game. The sun's out. Everyone's probably like, what the hell is going on? I think everyone was very confused about what had happened. <laughs> yeah. like, even like the other team kind of was looking around me like, oh, wow, that's a quite a nice break. And yeah, what do I you just, think? I, I don't even know if he touched him. Did he? Uh, uh, <laughs> like, it, if anything, it was slight and it felt like the, uh, the striker was kind of avoiding contact at the same time to yellow card. Yes. Yeah. If he hadn't give anything, I think I've also would have been fine. Nine seconds into the game. Like there's always the argument of like, Oh, if this was the 90th minute, would he have given it? Maybe, but also it wasn't. And it was nine seconds in and it, <laughs> it ruined the game. Like he just, and you didn't even set a tone. Like I'm just looking here. There wasn't, there was, Oh, there was a red card given out, but like that was it. Like there was two red cards and they got a double yellow, but it's just like, you're so right this? about it ruining the game. Imagine being a football fan there and you're like, what, why am I here? Yeah. Like the game's done. It just nine seconds. <laughs> like, what do you get done in nine seconds? You want to see a goal in nine seconds. Yeah. You want to see somebody just get caught off the field with a red card. Oh man, what a waste well, of time. Yeah. Bottom line refs need to be better and they need to clean it up because it's an unacceptable call. I wonder if this ref had a talking to because that just this is my problem with referees and var and var whatever you want to call it it's just it's wild wild things are happening that don't make sense and you sit back scratching your head like why do i understand that this isn't a red card but the guy on the field who's paid to do this thinks it is can't figure it out yeah Yeah. there was we didn't really talk about it because i was away but there was so much do, that we do, missed. I, I know missed these episodes, that, Liam, when you were away. That uh, one Premier League weekend where the, I think there was four controversial VAR calls. And it's Nuts. like, what is going on here? And it's just like, I saw a thing. I believe it was Alan Shearer who said it. But he said, and I, I could be wrong on who it was, but they, whoever it was was saying that they should put a player in the VAR suite as well. Like the ref should make the final decision, but a former player should get an input on the sense of like, what actually is happening? Like, is the football mindset, I guess you could say, right? Because, like, referees haven't yeah. been in that moment, right? Like, and to be fair to refs, like, they they pl- go by the book. 
That's what they have to I go by. This. And what they were saying was, is players should go in and say, say there's a foul on like the corner of the box or something like yeah. that. Like players should then be able to give their opinion on being like, well, was he even like, what? yes, he was in the box and he was yeah. tackled, but like, was he even getting anywhere and kind of stuff like that. And it's like, it's an interesting perspective on how to fix it. I don't know if it's, I, my, here's my idea for VAR to kind of eliminate it more from the game would be to give each manager a challenge. Okay. So you get one challenge per half. So I guess you get four, four overall the in the game. coaching challenge. Yeah. Like we see in hockey. Exactly. Okay. So if you win your challenge, okay. you then get your challenge back. If you lose a challenge, then you obviously don't. Yeah. And then it just seems like a better way to... Pick up the pace yeah. rather than having every single thing reviewed. And like, maybe you do review every goal. Like they do that in the NHL and the NFL. Like every touchdown is reviewed. I don't know. It just seems like it's such a joke at the moment. And it's just getting worse and worse and worse. And like, I like VAR. I do think it's very necessary. But I also think there's also room for human error and stuff like that. And, yes. You know, I think that's football. The beauty of it is the error almost right like players make mistakes every game referees are going to make mistakes it's just what's going to happen but the ball crosses a line and the ref doesn't catch it it should be caught yeah you know? i absolutely That's where agree. I, stand. I i think that the player's opinion I, I understand what what the the you know mentality is behind that but i don't want the game to be drawn out for so long like i love american football but sometimes you're watching and you're like this game could have finished 10 minutes ago and there's another four hours left you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. um so i think that that would be a frustrating part of the game but they do need to really sit down and hash out efficiencies and beyond efficiencies hash out like rules and what makes sense and what doesn't. Cause there's been so many times, especially Liam, the week that you weren't here where I'm, I was again, scratching my head. Like where are they going? Where, what are they seeing versus what are we seeing? And it must be two different things. That I think that's the, the issue, isn't it? It's just the confusion of yeah. them. And <laughs> hopefully it just gets better. Referee and standards should be better. Refs, should just know. Like, it just should be so obvious, like, what's kind of happening. Gene Principe should be a ref. Yeah, how was that? That was awesome. He's yeah. the best. He's yeah. the best. He said he'd come back on during World Cup, so oh, we'll nice. have him, so you'll be able to talk so to him. I'll meet him. But he, he was a ref for 15 years, and, you know, I just feel like he's such a gem of a human being mm. that he should be refing these games. He'd make no mistakes, guys. Maybe he'd like my puns. Yeah, he would. My St. Maximum <laughs> one Yeah, you'd love it. He'd probably come on with, like, some... You guys would probably hit it off with, with the puns, for sure. Speaking of red cards, Mourinho. I didn't catch this. You didn't catch no, this. No, so was, I'll let you take the the road. On well, this he one. just he just got mad, and he it was it was a situation where he didn't like a call in the field. And all I'm going to say is that football is so lucky to have Josie Mourinho <laughs> because whether you love him, whether you hate him, whether you think he's absolutely psychotic, this guy, bottom line, is an unbelievable manager. I, I think he's a great guy. I do too. I think he's a good guy. He fights for his players and he gives us priceless entertainment. You saw in that moment, he was visibly upset. He went to go protect his team and he even took it as far to call the rest of the Serie A a bunch of clowns and essentially that they want to go dive in a swimming pool and show me what other manager in this sport with his resume has the 
balls to say something like that while he's a manager in Serie A. I just, there's just something about Mourinho, obviously helping Roma rise from the dead, giving them their first trophy in 14 years. Obviously, we don't need to speak about his resume. We all know it. Uh, this guy deserves way more credit than he gets. And again, yes, I do think he has a few loose screws in there, but it's one of the biggest reasons why I love him. And Mourinho, if you're watching this, never change. But I'm getting a live reaction right now. Are you? I'm, yeah. I'm watching it. Look he at is, him. <laughs> I've never seen anything like this before. Right? Just a manager kind of getting held back like that. He is... He's such a good personality. My favorite Mourinho memory is probably one of the first ones mo most people have is when Porto advanced in the Champions League at yeah. Old Trafford and he ran down the touchline and like celebrated with his team. And in the Ferguson book, he talks about that. He's like, I wanted to kill him. But he's like, I know I've done exactly the same. And he's like, I just loved how much... I, looking back on it in the moment, he was not happy about it, but he's like, just how much passion he had. And like, that's what football's about. It's like guys like Mourinho who give it everything. And like now yeah. he's a very experienced manager and he's still wrestling with referees and everything to get his way and whatever, he's whatever it takes. And that's, that's what it is, right? Honestly, if I was a player for Roma, I would do anything Mourinho asked me to do because I'm like, this guy has my back and yeah. he's loyal and he's crazy and he does stuff like that. But at the end of the day, if I see my coach or my manager have my back like that after a situation on the field and he gets a red card, I'm like, yo, I'm about to eat dirt. Like, listen to this quote after the game. He goes, I have to change my advice to my players. I have to tell them, don't try to stay on your feet. Don't play the ball. Be a clown the way many who dive like they're in a swimming pool do in this league because that is evidently how you get penalties. Like, this guy does not give a shit. No, I... And I'm not here wrong. for it. He's not he's wrong. He's not wrong. <laughs> the Syria, like I, I said it a few weeks ago too on the Battle of Lazio team. They are all over the place. They're, they're, they are a dive, diving team. Like They should go to the Olympics, to be honest. Maybe something to consider for yeah, the next one. Honestly, I, <laughs> I agree. But that's what I'm just like. Mourinho's always been this guy that if he feels a certain way, he's expressive. And he has a resume to back it. He's yeah. not just this guy who like is a loose cannon and you're like, okay, like sit down, you know, wait till you prove yourself. He's proven himself. Uh, so last, I don't know. I, last manager to win the treble in Syria. Yeah. I believe, I believe anyway, he went yeah. into Milan. Well, yeah. when Roma won uh, the Europa Conference League title, that was his fifth major European title with four different clubs. And that's something that's never been done before. Oh, yeah. So, Real Madrid. Real Madrid, Roma, Inter, and Chelsea. Yep. Yeah. So he's just, yeah, he's... He was very close to giving it five. Wasn't he the one that took United to the Europa League final too? I think he was, and they lost. I think it was him. He's it, been everywhere, right? Yeah, yeah. He's uh, He's got the resume. And he's managed, he's managed the best. I know. The best teams in the world. And I love him. He, you know, I think I think he's grown on me because I didn't used to like him. I never did because I thought like he was dad. just kind of an arrogant guy. But like, the, he's just kind of he's good personality. And it was funny. Bolton used to have a manager called Greg, um, Gary Megson, Greg Megson. I almost called him Gary Megson, and he was just this ginger guy, and we called him Ginger Mourinho. And that was the chant around the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> we were we're saying like fourteenth in the Premier League and doing nothing really, but Ginger Mourinho was what we to win. I remember once I was at a game and it was Bolton versus Chelsea, and Mourinho was would have been managing for Chelsea, and we everyone was Bolton were winning, and everyone was chanting Ginger Mourinho whilst. Jose Mourinho was in the stands. It was very funny. I fun. <laughs> love it. I love it. Um, I guess quickly to cap things off, I want to talk about the fact that <laughs> my beloved Cristiano Ronaldo mm. scored his first ever Europa League goal. Massive. 
Uh, <laughs> and while everyone is celebrating this for him, I want to know if I'm the only one who's a little bit sad because Cristiano Ronaldo should be scoring Champions League goals <laughs> and not Europa League goals. Yeah. I think Manchester United should just be scoring Champions League goals. Honest to like, God. It is... Uh, it's funny. So the, the all-time goal scorer in the UEFA Cup and Europa League is Henrik Larsson with 31. So Ronaldo needs 31 more to pass him. So maybe this season. Well, honestly, <laughs> this is... Okay, you know what? Come for me. I don't even care. I think that it's disrespectful to, to Ronaldo to see Ronaldo on the bench at United. I'm happy he's back on the pitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm happy he's scoring the Europa League goals. Nothing against the Europa League. But this guy's the top scorer of all time in the Champions League. And my heart hurts a little. And I understand the conversation of high wages. And I'm sure there's a lot more to the story with certain times, maybe Ronaldo having a bit of a personality that may or may not have turned some teams off. Um, but for me, being a big Ronaldo fan, seeing him in the last stretch of his career, I just think he deserves better. And I don't care if, he's, if he beats the Europa League record. I'm like, congrats. This is great for him. I hope he's happy. But he freaking deserves to be in the Champions League. Yeah, he does. He deserves, he deserves better. But I think he needs to perform better yeah. at the same time. But yeah. I think he can. Like, he's... One of the best players, if not the best player ever, right? Like, there's, there's the argument there for whatever you want to believe, but... Who would have ever thought that this would be the season he'd, he'd have? I know. Especially after last season, like, he was... I know. Little, what do you have, 18 Premier League goals or whatever? Ballon d'Or nominee, and now he's sat on the bench behind <sighs> Marcus Rashford, who couldn't hit a barn door two weeks ago, and now <laughs> here we are, but... We'll see. I think he'll turn it around. Didn't he'll you, he'll be fine. Didn't you say there's this, like, tell-all that's coming out? Yeah, there was supposed to be. We haven't seen it yet. So, Mr. Ronaldo, please hurry up. I'm hoping. Yeah, I want actually, the tea. There was a massive interview today with Bruno Fernandes. Okay. And I haven't listened to it in full yet, but it was on it was on the Athletic and so far they were saying like a lot of people were like praising Bruno for like how how open he was about everything and he, not in like a he was open about everything in a positive negative way like it didn't matter. He just yeah read it let it all out and said it was very insightful and like a lot of people's opinions changed on him like there was a thing where i think everyone's kind of got this thing where he has really bad body language he's always yelling yeah. at refs and waving his hands and stuff and he like went into detail he's like i'm not actually yelling at my teammates it's just kind of like the way i try and uh, get to people and it's like my teammates know that which and is it, the most important yeah and he said he said with the refs thing he's like yeah but i'm not the only player in the league that does it and he listed like wolford zaha he literally called people out he was like wolford zaha does it way worse than me and he's like you might not all see this but bernardo silva he's like he might look quiet but trust me he's yapping at the ref the Damn, whole he called game people out, eh? yeah because him him uh silver obviously played for portugal together so he like knew him and called him out and and I haven't listened to the full thing yet. It's like an hour long interview. So, but he talks about like Solskjaer and like his relationship and it sounds like it's really good. And one thing he mentioned on Ronaldo. So there's this whole thing where him and Ronaldo don't perform well together for United. And they have, it's, I can't remember the exact statistic, but it's something like neither of them score when they play together or like Bruno doesn't score and there's like no assistant and stuff like that. And they asked him like, so why is that? And he's like, well, actually we do it for Portugal. But with United, it's a little bit different because you're so used to playing these teams all the time that you get used to playing against the players. And like they mark Ronaldo a lot more, which gives everyone else more space to yeah. do stuff. So he's like, while it might not seem we're benefiting it from each other on the stat sheet, we actually are because of 
this, this, and this. Yeah. So it's like a pretty interesting conversation. Wow. Oh, I want to listen to that. I, in a dream world, in an absolute dream world, I would love to see something that we're seeing in Formula One almost be done with football mm. in some capacity where we obviously see these superstar footballers kind of give us the behind the scenes drama or takes or personalities that yeah. we don't get to see. I think that that would be a very big step for sports. I was hoping to see that a little bit with hockey when the Toronto Maple Leafs did their like uh, that, Amazon that all or nothing, all or nothing right? um, which we didn't get at all. I was still very like heavily produced. Mm. I want something raw where a footballer sits down, like Ronaldo were to sit down and he was like, yeah, what happened at United was bullshit. Oh my God. <laughs> you know how yeah. many people would start consuming that content? It would be. So there's actually one you should watch. Okay, tell me. It's the all or nothing, but it's Tottenham. Okay. And there's a couple other ones. Like there's a City one and Arsenal one, but I haven't watched those ones. But the Tottenham one as Mourinho when he was there. So he like, he like, there's the talk when Christian Eriksen went to Inter Milan, okay. like, how, like how that went down. Um, Danny Rose, who like Mourinho was straight up like, no, we don't want you here anymore. Like two minutes showed him on the camera. Like it was actually really good. And like, it was nothing like the Leafs one, which is by the same people. And you should check that one out. It's a good one. But that's again, going back to Mourinho, it's why I love him. You're yeah. always going to get, I bet you any money people go into an interview with Mourinho and they're like immediately hit record because they're like, we're going to get gold. Yeah. And that's why I love him because he's raw. He's real. He's honest. I don't agree with everything, single thing he said or how he acts, but I, you have to respect the fact that he is, uh, he's not fake. Yeah. He's and telling you how it is. Referring back to my book again, but the Ferguson book, he literally says in that, he's like, the best managers in the world are the ones that tell the truth. Love it. And they don't beat around the bush. And he said, I don't go in there and just give it to my players when they have a bad game. But if you are, you have to have a reason to back it up. It's like everyday life, really, yeah. isn't it? It's not rocket science. But <laughs> Fergie's the, like, the best, yeah, he's, you know, <laughs> recipe it's, to success. Yeah, he's like the best, <laughs> the best leaders, I guess you could say, in any business or whatever is the ones who are truthful and just I'd be honest with people I think people respect that more than you know yeah. well, hearing it from someone else I and think about it also from a human perspective if your boss is real and honest with you and of course you you never want you know your boss to come down on you super hard or disrespectfully that's crossing the line but at least if you understand where they stand authentically and they're honest you as a employee will want to work mm. for them harder and there's yeah. no you know mixed lines so just imagine the players for these guys for Fergie yeah. for Mourinho uh, for Pep you know Pep has awesome Venga yeah. yeah so many guys Klopp, like all these guys have a little bit like they're a little Ancelotti you can throw them in the mix they're they're crazy but it's in a way that I'm sure it's their players understand it's respectful yeah and that's, that's the difference, isn't it? Respect and disrespect. Uh, There's your lesson of the day, kids. Yeah, there you guys. It's uh, <laughs> brought to you by Kicked Back. Uh, before we leave, one last thought. If you could rate Belgium's World Cup jersey out of 10, what are you giving it? Please. How old am I? <laughs> yeah. oh my God. If I'm an 11-year-old boy, 10. Yeah. If I'm a 26-year-old man like I am, probably a one and a half. And I only give them a half because I think... <sighs> That's ballsy to go out and actually put flames on your World Cup kit. It's giving <laughs> Hot Wheels. Yes. It's giving Harley Davidson. I'm, I don't know where they went wrong. And poor Kevin De Bruyne in that photo where he's wearing it. You can tell that the smile on his face is not genuinely uh, replicating how he's feeling on the inside because that's a that is, and I said this on my TikTok, that is a house league wreck <laughs> jersey. Um, I, 
I understand, you know, the flames and Belgium and, you know, Red Devils, sure. But it's just not the way to go about it, guys. It's not the way. I wouldn't be buying that jersey personally. I remember when I was a young lad growing <laughs> up in the suburbs of Bolton. And I used to have this button-up shirt. And I always used to wear my sunglasses with this one. And it's because it was flames all around the sleeves and all around the bottom. And I always used to have my sunglasses on and spiky hair. And the first time I saw it, I was like, that's what I used to wear when I was a young boy and there had no go. fashion. I still have no fashion, but it was like, what? Look, what at, was your the idea Look at your jersey now. Yeah. Tell everyone quickly. We'll end the episode on this. This is a New York City FC jersey. And it has a gentleman called Mix on the back. I don't know where he plays anymore. This is, I think this is from their inaugural year. So... Quite nice. It's my only MLS jersey. I've got. A, I've actually got a couple more coming. We mentioned the um, England shirts that yeah. I ordered, and I have. I'm ordering three, three other ones. Which ones? So I have the Fiorentina one coming. I nice. can't remember what year it is, but it's the one where they have Nintendo on the front. Oh, sick! There is a. I think the. I. I can't remember what I ordered. The other one was a Valencia one when they almost won the Champions League or won the, whatever they won. It was from that era. And the other one is a surprise. So stay tuned. <gasps> AC Milan. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was Napoli. I, it wasn't a surprise. I just can't remember. It was Napoli. Napoli. So there you go. They'll be here shortly. Sick. Yeah. I want to, I, I, I ordered a Poland sweater. I don't do jerseys. I like getting like big, like almost vintage looking things. Mm -hmm. um, I have a Poland one and I want to get something Canada. Well, I just thought I can't just wear my Bolton shirt every Tuesday and Thursday because I don't do laundry that much. <laughs> so <laughs> so I got to upgrade this a little bit, but it's, uh, I like having the jerseys. It's cool to kind of the old ones. I don't really like any of the new ones to be yeah. honest, but the old ones are kind of my gem. Well, yeah, we need to, it'd be cool to maybe even have a conversation of the best jerseys. Maybe that's another episode. Yeah. Any, any, and if you guys listening have any of favorite jerseys or vintage shirts that soccer swag that you guys collect, let us know in the comments. I want to hear what everyone's getting these I, days. I would actually like to know what jerseys people are ordering yeah. and what people like, I guess, because yeah. I'll order it. I don't care. I got I my, wanna, my people. I, I want to be a collector. Okay. You guys tell me what's the first jersey I should order and I'll do it and wear it on the show. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in a couple of days. That's a wrap for another episode of Kickback. And thanks so much for listening. You can catch Caroline and Liam here every single week on Tuesdays and Thursdays to give you the latest rundown on all things football. Please don't forget to subscribe and give us a nice five-star rating. Please and thank you. And for even more Kickback content, follow the 90th minute on all your favorite social channels. See you next time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.